Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone, as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, up to bat, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Boone. And today on the program, I'm joined by an entrepreneur, best-selling author, and motivational speaker. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome David Meltzer to the program. David, thanks for coming on. It's a pleasure to be here, and uh, I like to go backward into my sports days. So to see a hero of mine uh, in the media and platform uh, space really excites me, and I just want to commend you. Uh, You're maybe even better off uh, the field than you are on my friend. So congratulations. <laughs> well, thanks. It's been a, it's been an interesting journey for me, you know, going to, going to this side of the microphone. I've been interviewed my whole life. Now I'm the interviewer. So it's a little bit of a, a role change for me. Uh, I've been looking through a lot of your stuff and a lot of, you got so many interesting thoughts and, and, life ideas, you know, and, and we all go on this journey. We all go through different parts of our lives. We live and we learn. We think we know it all. We don't. We think we know it all. We don't. I'll, I'll get into all that and I'll let you, you know, more importantly, you get into it. But uh, I've had coaches my whole life. I've had a million of them starting as a little kid through my major league career. And I probably still need one now, but uh, I want to talk to you about being an executive coach. I think a life coach. What's that all about? You know, for me, when I had Lee Steinberg, sports and entertainment, I was around a lot of celebrities, athletes, and entertainers uh, who had coaches their entire life. And it was really interesting to me how when they transitioned from playing into the business world, all of a sudden there was this misconception that you don't need a coach. You don't need a coach all of a sudden because it's not a sport. Um, And it was you know, really surprising that so many extraordinary athletes from the biggest ones in the world who had coaches since they were five years old, all of a sudden thought, hey, I probably can do this on my own. Uh, And so as I encouraged athletes that I worked with, either at Lee Steinberg or later on, Warren Moon and I had a global sports marketing company, I started to realize that through the experiences that I had, uh, the ability to make money, to help people, to have fun, uh, with the backdrop of sports and understanding content and media and sports, that I actually could fulfill that ability to transition people from what they're really good at and identify the skills that they learn playing, 
the knowledge that they gain, not just of what, but of who, because a lot of athletes, I think, discount the relationship capital that they built while they're playing and the brand within internal and external relationship capital. And then uh, the biggest component is the common thread of all great athletes is desire. They have a desire that they must be what they can be. And there's nothing more valuable in the business world as an executive coach than having one of your players, quote unquote, uh, having that desire is the biggest frustration in helping people is when you want it more than they want it for themselves. And I'm sure you were on the dugout with a few of those players that probably even had more skill than you had, but they didn't have the desire that you had. And I'm sure as a teammate, it was so frustrating. You can imagine what it was for your coaches uh, when they saw that as well. So an executive coach to me has three components. One, mentorship. They sit in a situation that you want to be in. Fastest way to get there is asking for directions. Two, coaching, which is bringing the best out of the mentee or the person. And then three, teaching. You have to actually be able to explain it, meet people where they're at so that they understand what the F you're saying. Uh, you've watched some of my content and my biggest challenge is teaching because I just make these invisible assumptions that everybody knows what I'm talking about. Sometimes I watch my own video and I'm like, I don't think anybody understands these existential thoughts in the way that I portrayed them. I better dumb it down to meet people where they're at. It's, it's so interesting because we're all at that point. I know I was, uh, you know, now looking back, I'm 15 years removed from, from my career. And if you would have, I, I think the biggest challenge for us as athletes is, is when we're in our sweet zone, when we're in our heyday per se, making a ton of money, everybody wants a piece of you. You are it at the time. Ego is a huge part of that. But I often think now being removed, looking at that myself at 35, myself at 25, I think it would be really tough for someone to come into my life and say, Brett, you know, when you're when you're done playing, I'd really like to help you uh, acclimate into everyday life. What's it like? And, and I'm telling you, and I found out, you know, I've had some some great lessons. I've had some tough lessons taught to me since I've retired, because all of a sudden I've done this my whole life. That's all I've been is baseball. And now I'm looking around. I'm at home in the off season and I'm watching how, how life goes. And I'm like, no, this is not. Well, Brett, you were playing baseball for 20 years and this is what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. And it's a shock to the system. If you're not prepared, I think so many, especially athletes or people in the entertainment field could benefit from that soft landing from their profession to everyday life. I know I definitely could have benefited from that. And like I said, I, I've learned some lessons, some tough uh, and some that made me a better person going through life. But uh, it, it's really interesting. I just think so many people could use this. Um, how did people originally, uh, how did you get people originally to buy into what you had to offer? You know, it's interesting. I did it for free on accident because of the roles that I played at Lee Steinberg and in Sports One Marketing. Uh, but when I started speaking uh, around the world, uh, people would come up to me and ask me to be their business advisor, their business coach, their executive coach, and their life coach. And as more people asked me to do that, I started to look into it. And I actually got a mentor. Uh, I got a world business consultant, one of the best executive coaches in the world, Marshall Goldsmith, who uh, 
was executive coach for the CEOs of Ford, you know, an incredible, he had 10 of the top 50 CEOs in the world that he was coaching. And so I went to him and I said, Hey, people are asking me to do this. I don't really get it. You know, I've always given advice. Like I don't know how to structure it. I don't know how to charge for it. And lo and behold, I paid for him to enter me. And here I am many years later, one of the top hundred Marshall Goldsmith coaches uh, in doing the same thing and, you know, some of the biggest executives in the world. And, you know, my favorite are the young athletes that are far more wise than you and I, you know, the young Austin and Michael Chandler's and other young athletes that while they're playing, they already see that they need directions on how to get to where they want to be after they're done playing. Uh, but, you know, the same way that I learned to do other things, I went and found someone that sat in the situation I wanted to be in, asked them for help. And I've built, as you know, one of the biggest executive uh, coaching and life coaching businesses now almost in the world. There's very few people who have as many elite uh, athletes and executives that I have and am able to help them as well. Yeah, I think it's pretty awesome. Uh, all right, let's go back to the beginning. You grew up, I think you had six siblings, or were you a part of that six? Single mom. Yeah, I'm part of the six. Five boys and girl. Went to law school, got your law degree. Uh, you made a ton of money. You lost a ton of money. <laughs> and now you <laughs> rebuilt it. You, you rebuilt it. Take me from the beginning through your childhood. Yeah, just real quickly, I called it the three worlds I've lived in. I was born, like a lot of athletes, in a world of not enough. And my, in my mind, the only way out was to play sports. Uh, unfortunately, my base was too low ever to be a professional athlete, but uh, I worked really hard to play college football. Uh, and, you know, I reached close to my potential. And so like I said, I was a below average college football player, but I reached close to my potential. My mom had a different vision for me. It was doctor, lawyer, or failure. And my siblings all adhered to going to the Ivy Leagues, graduating summa cum laude, and utilizing education as the way to get out of the world not enough. My mom used to work two jobs, pack my dinner in a paper bag just so we could eat. So I learned my work ethic by watching my mom. I also learned how to and what was important in life, but I wasn't aware that I was learning it until I lost everything. Nine months out of law school, I was a millionaire. Three and a half years later, we exited for $3.4 billion. I ran Samsung's phone division by 99, married my dream girl from the fourth grade. And you would have thought I had everything. It was like being a professional athlete, worth over $100 million. I, you know, had everything I wanted, my family, three daughters. You know, I started working for Lee Steinberg as the CEO of the most notable sports agency at the time. They made the movie Jerry Maguire about the guy, you know, it was, it was an incredible life. But as you have experienced your friends that are professional athletes, you're in a glamorized stuck. Uh, you know, everybody wants to be you. Everybody wants a piece of you. And that doesn't necessarily mean you're happy. And I, when I wasn't happy, turned to the wrong people with the wrong ideas, bought things I didn't need to impress people I didn't like. Uh, I ended up just like a lot of athletes losing everything over a hundred million dollars. But luckily for me, I had an extraordinary wife, an extraordinary mom, uh, who helped me understand that I was being protected and promoted by my losses, by my mistakes. I was protected and promoted by the struggle that I had to overcome. 
And I use that day to promote and protect me and others by understanding the relationship of the ego, like you said, and understanding how fear and the reaction to fear can actually assist us in getting to where we want to be or better. It doesn't necessarily mean punishment. Yeah, when you bring the ego in, and, and and I've gone about it in a different way in my life, uh, it, and I don't talk about this very often, but uh, I've been sober six years now. So I was a I was a guy that liked the party, uh, got to a point in my life where it didn't work for me anymore, and it was starting to affect my family and friends, and and through uh, the groups that I uh, still attend to this day. Uh, it is. It's the ego that gets you. And and I know I, I've I've read and I've watched a lot of your videos, how you always talk about giving back. I can sit here and say from my side of the from my side of the street where I look and how I live my life now, it's essential. It's because when you're giving to others, it, it isn't about you because our whole lives, when we get caught up too much in the money and the cars and the fame and don't you know who I am? And everybody knows who you are. Uh, it isn't about anybody else. You're not helping anybody else. When you're helping somebody else, it gets it off you. And you're being of service. I hear you talk about that a lot in your videos. Touch on that a little bit. Yeah, I think there's a huge energy crisis, especially with our children. And I speak from humility because I, too, have traveled the path of ego, uh, of a need to be inferior, superior, separate. Uh, and what I have articulated as is there's a difference between I am and wanting people to think I am. And there's a big shortage in between there between I am happy, I am healthy, I am wealthy, I am worthy compared to I want people to think I'm happy, healthy, wealthy, worthy. Yeah. And I, when <laughs> and you see it I on social Right. And social media made it worse than when we were kids. It was already bad enough being a professional athlete or bad enough being a successful business person in the world. You could afford to do whatever you wanted to do when you wanted to do it. And everybody was telling you what you wanted to hear. Uh, in fact, when I lost everything, I realized it's really funny. The four people I hate the most in my life are the four most important people in my life. And the reason I hated them is they were the only one reminding me who I really was. My mom, my dad, my best friend, and my wife all wanted to tell me the truth, and I wasn't ready to hear the truth of who I was. I was stuck in the world of I want people to think I am, not I am. And so as we work through the humility involved in being better, we have to realize one thing, that giving and receiving are one, and that truly to where we want to be, there's only two ways. One, humility of asking someone to help us get there, but two, helping other people get to where they want to be. And I believe in a combination of both. I live my life of service and of value, and I know I can't give what I don't uh, have or receive. So I fill my life with love and gratitude and forgiveness and be accountable. And I do. I make more money than I ever have. The reason and a purpose behind it to give it to other people. Uh, starting with the people most relative to me and my local community, my country, my state, the world. But it's an interesting thing. People don't receive, even with good intention. My mom's a second grade teacher. Her biggest flaw, she gave everything away without ever asking for more, ever asking for help herself. And sooner or later, you're going to run out of stuff to give if you don't ask for help as well. So here's the icon of my life. I'm always reaching above me 
to ask those people to pull up a seat for me. And I always have one hand below me pulling up a seat and pulling up others to come sit with me as well. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Isn't it amazing you talk about uh, perception and what I want people to think I am, whereas the real true people in your life know who you are. You know, I, I attribute a little bit if, if you're analyzing a young player, a young athlete, young baseball player in my case, uh, what he says in front of his group of peers with his chest pumped, pumped out. And yeah, I'm, I'm this, I'm that, a number one draft pick because everybody's telling you how great you are. I want that guy, though, behind closed doors when he gets out of the shower and it's just him in that mirror. Does he believe? Is he that guy that he personifies uh, out there in public? And more times than not, no. But but from an athletic standpoint, when I get the kid that truly believes and truly walks the walk, that's the guy I want. And the rest of us, usually, we got to learn lessons. We got to go through life and get beat up and get humbled uh, before we, we come to that c- conclusion. I know as a kid, David, uh, and, and I heard this on, on uh, a video, you said when you were a kid, you want to be a football player. You, you played at the college level that didn't come to fruition as far as you making a, a living at it. But how did life around you change? Like you said, you graduated within a year, within a year, you were a millionaire and then a big fortune came later. How did that change you and the life around you? Well, the first thing it did is it confirmed a, a misnomer uh, in my life that money would be me the final piece of happiness and love that I wanted. I, I didn't realize or appreciate that I grew up with so much happiness and so much love because I didn't have money. So I was always seeking something I didn't have. And I thought, you know, because I would catch my mom crying because a dishwasher broke or she couldn't afford college or, or whatever else it was that, you know, she wanted for us. I thought, hmm, if I could just be rich, I could finally be fulfilled completely by having money because that's going to fulfill me and buy me this happiness and love and that's what changed because it gave me a confirmation at first 
that money does buy love and ha- everything around me became easy. I bought my mom a house. I thought now I was the favorite of six kids. Uh, I could buy my friends whatever they want. I could go out and party and do all the things, buy you know planes and boats and all this stuff. And eventually, I realized it wasn't the money that created happy love in my life. What I realized was money was important, not because it bought things. It just allowed me to shop. I was shopping for the wrong things for the wrong reasons. And today, I believe in making a lot of money to help a lot of people and still have fun. But my main uh, shift in the paradigm is money is important in the pragmatic world. It, it will amplify your happiness and fulfillment only if you buy the right things with it. Uh, and you know, I started buying community centers in Africa. I started. I'm the chief chancellor of Junior Achievement University, investing in young entrepreneurs, especially uh, women of color and uh, at-risk children. You know, in- investing in people that grew up where I grew up, and to give them an opportunity, a leg up, uh, and a hand up, and a hand out, to empower them, to empower others. And I'm getting old enough, uh, like you, Brett. What's really nice is you start seeing some of the trees that are grown seeds that you planted. Yeah. And, and yeah, you see that with, you know, you get away from all the, the hoopla and the cameras and, and you're watching your kids and oh, wow, how have I done as a father? You know, that to me is probably uh, one of my biggest things is I, I want to be the best dad I can be to these kids. And and I've been able to do that in, in recent times. And, and that's the most fulfilling rise up is one thing. Time where you lost the big fortune. Um, how did life around you change then? People, places, things. You find out who your friends were? Because oh, I know it's goodness. pretty damn, pretty damn humbling. You know, I, I had some humbling times during my career. You know, I come off hitting 320 one year. Two years later, I'm I'm sitting under the rafters at Riverfront Stadium looking at the ceiling with tears in my eyes, going, Why can't I hit anymore? And I gotta pull myself <laughs> up and change my stance and that's an off season and I've got a swing change and three years later I had to do it again. But those are life lessons that taught me. Tell me about the demise when it all went away. Yeah. Well, my basement had been, I had lost over a hundred million dollars and the basement of my life was walking over to my mom's house because the only reason I wanted to be rich was to take care of my mom originally to buy her that house. And here I was, I get choked up thinking about it telling her I'd lost everything, but even worse, I had taken my name off of my mom's title. So I lost my mom's house as well. And, you know, I went from having 33 homes to a rented house with rented furniture and one car. I had so many cars, Brett, when I went to BK, I didn't know what cars I had, right? Like I had to get my own BK filing to see the list of assets. I'm like, oh shoot, I let that guy borrow that car. And I had to go get, I had to go repo my own car. <laughs> I need to borrow that car back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but what I learned was so interesting because, like I said, you know, I sat on the edge of my bed thinking, I hate my wife, I hate my best friend, I hate my dad, and I hate my mom. And uh, I had hated my dad long because he had left when I was five. And at 30, he had given me a jacket and told me, son, I'm worried about you. You think money buys love and happiness hang the jacket in a closet. It has no pockets in it. And it will remind you every day, you can't take any of this, that you're going to die with nothing in your pocket. So 
be kind to your future self and start doing good deeds. And I told my dad at the time at 30, I said, dad, I hate you. You are a liar, a chair, a manipulator, an overseller, a backend seller. I'm nothing like you. Why would you do this? This is no present F you. And I hung up on him at 30. Well, here I was on the edge of my bed thinking, I hate my mom, my dad, my best friend, and my wife. And I look over in my closet and what do I see? I said, Jack. And I remember thinking to myself, hmm, I don't hate any of them. I hated myself. I hated myself. I was a liar. I was a cheater, a manipulator, overseller, back-end seller. And I was going to take stock in who I was and what I wanted to become. Like my wife asked me to. She threatened to leave me before I lost everything. Told me this was going to happen. Told me she wasn't going to wait around. She told me to take stock in who I was and what I wanted to become. Or she would leave. Or I would die, she said. Because like you, surrounding myself with the wrong ideas and the wrong people will lead you down a path. And nobody was there but me. That's what I realized. The people that I loved the most I hated and I better reestablish the people that I love as relationships because you know what? Everybody else left. All the people that owed me money, all the people that I tried to help, nobody oh, was gone. there for me. They were gone. In fact, the worst was in 2008, my favorite was I had several friends, close friends, who begged me to participate in some of my deals. And I didn't want them in the deals. And they're like, well, let me just put 10, 20 grand in. And I was like, okay, fine. Well, then they went bankrupt, not because of the 10 or 20 grand, right? They lost their multi-million dollar houses. They made bad decisions, but I was such an easy scapegoat because as a more public leader in the community, a more public young entrepreneur and business person leading Lee Steyer at the time, it was so easy for these guys to say, oh yeah, I went bankrupt because of Dave Meltzer. And that one really, that, that was worse than not showing up. Blaming me for, for their stupidity and mistakes was the cap of shame, blame, and justification for me. Yeah, because we've had Lee on the on the program, and, and Lee had his own set of issues that he went through some humbling times. Uh, I, I heard that you had to, one of the toughest things you had to do is go to Lee and say, Lee, I'm bankrupt. Oh, yeah. It, it was really difficult, I think. But for Warren Moon, who is a mutual best friend of, of Lee and I, I think both of us would have had a difficult time uh, recovering. You know, I, I was that genetically I didn't have that uh, much of addiction to drugs and alcohol, uh, but it was having a terrible impact on my life. Uh, it has led me to where uh, Lee is to understand sobriety and having a higher level of thinking and awareness. Um, but Warren was there for both of us, and he helped as a conduit and a liaison uh, which I'll always be grateful for him to help me and Lee both live in humility and admit, you know, that we needed help uh, and be able to get that help. Uh, both of us uh, got us to where we are today. And it's such a pleasure to see him thriving and, uh, you know, just a, a, a blessing that you can heal and be forgiven. A lot of us, I, I don't know how you think of this right now from the rise, fall, rise again um what do you appreciate most about this second time around for you and, and and i don't even know if it's it's the right words to say second chance maybe it is maybe you look yeah. at it that way but second time around for you what do you appreciate most my non-negotiables i never stuck to my non-negotiables so for me number one 
my health. You know, we t- especially as young and we take our health for granted. You can eat whatever you want, especially if you're athletic and you're working out. It seems like I'll never have to worry about getting sick or injured. Or And so I think, you know, I really appreciate my health as a non-negotiable, including sleep and meditation. Uh, I If I could be and do it over again, I still do. My goal now, Brett, is I want to be in the Hall of Fame of sleep. I want to be the best <laughs> sleeper. I want to be the best sleeper in the world, meaning I want to cover better than anyone. And I want to access the information void of my conscious when I sleep. I have a sleep coach that helped me with it. But I truly, if I could be the best sleeper in the world, everything else would be easy. I truly believe that. The, the second one beyond my health is my family. Uh, and it's interesting is that to take care of your family, you have to take care of yourself. And I would lie to myself all the time that I put my family first, but I really wasn't. Those people that put their family first take care of themselves. They take care of their health. They take care of their finance. They take care of their faith. And then they can give all of that to their family and take care of them. And I tell you, I, I have non issues in the calendar, seven hours for sleep and three hours for fitness, family, faith, and studying time. So I utilize my time each day, productively, accessibly, and graciously. But that to me is what I'm most appreciative is that I'm living my life with non-negotiables so that someone asks me, hey, you want to do this at three o'clock? I tell them I can't because I have to do this with my son or you know, four kids of my own, or I'm doing this with my wife. And I use time to help make sure and regulate that I'm prioritizing the non-negotiables in my life. And that faith component is now a big part of it as well, which wasn't there before. Another clip. I know I keep referring to the clips, but but they're interesting. There's so many. Uh, <laughs> there's what there's one going around, and I found it, it. It made me smile. Not not at the at the outcome for these two individuals, but it's it rings so true in in our in in my profession in the sports world. There's a clip you uh, about when you were uh, a kid. You're a ball boy for the Lakers. I'm going to set it up for you. I'm going to set it up for you, and I'm going to yeah. let you tell the story. But the two the, the two athletes involved are Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Dr. J. I grew up in Jersey, so I was a big Philly guy. So it was Sixers, Flyers, Eagles, Phillies. That was the four. And when you're in Phil, when you're in that part of the country, you better be rooting for all four. So I was a big Dr. J guy. But tell that story about the the Kareem side of it and the Julius Irving side of it. Yeah. So I was blessed to be a ball boy at 12 years old for the San Diego Clippers. And my very first game was my dream. And my mom had helped me get that job through the head of sports. The the Clippers practice at the Jewish Community Center. And the head uh, was close friends with my mom. And this was a big favor. And my very first game is the Lakers versus the Clippers. And they put me into the visiting locker room. And there's Kareem uh, Abdul-Jabbar. And I screwed up something because it was my first day. I'm standing about four feet six and 78 pounds next to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He's a really intense guy. And in favor of him, you know, he was getting ready for the game and I screwed up. But he came down on me. Me boy screamed at me, told me to get the F out of the locker room. So I went home that day crying to my mom saying, I'm done. I'm quitting. And as always, my mom said, we don't quit. You'll finish out the season, and if you decide not to go back, that's your decision. Uh, but he really went overboard, in my opinion, for a 12-year-old. 
And so I didn't want to go back. I went back. The next game was our hero, uh, Dr. J, in the visiting locker room. And I was shy. I thought all the big superstars were a-holes, were mean. And I'm literally like a dog that's been beaten. You know, you can see the body ledge. And Dr. J walks over to me, and I'm almost flinching as if he's going to scream at me. And he puts that gigantic hand on my back. And he says, son, how come I have so many socks over there? I said, I don't know. They tell me to give you six pairs. I put them out on your uh, chair. He said, I'll go get them for me. I went and got him, and he said, son, do you have any siblings? I said, yeah, I have five. He said, what's their names? And he signed each of the pairs of socks to my siblings. And then he told me to grab this basketball, and he said, here. And he signed a basketball for it, which I have today, which probably my grandson will retire off of. Uh, but more importantly, uh, who would have known that I would run the most notable sports agency someday and have all of these interviews from people like you. And one of the common questions are, you know, who's the nicest or coolest athlete you have ever met? Who's the biggest jerk? And little did Dr. J know that he was being kind to his future self and that nobody has promoted what a cool, amazing person Dr. J is. And it's funny because that video, just to amplify this idea of karma or divine uh, messaging, that's the most popular video I've ever done. It has like 5 million views every time it posts. And I'm just amplifying how important it is to be good because I promise you at 12 years old, Dr. J did not give me all of that stuff and be so kind to me thinking that someday he would receive so much more back. And I'm sure Kareem had no idea that his brand would be diminished and damaged and opportunities because you know, whenever someone asks me for a legacy basketball player and I feed these guys a lot of six-figure deals, uh, doing one at the NBA All-Star Game, Dr. J's first on my list to get the gig and Kareem's not on the list. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. <laughs> Kareem's last on the list. Uh, <laughs> um, it's so true. Because, you know, I was taught that at a young age. My dad played a long time and he always said, treat people how you want to be treated. And, and I may I went out of my way during my career uh, and, and it was we go on the road and there's a there's a main clubhouse guy and there's a bunch of clubbies. I always made sure I treated everybody. I treated our traveling secretary uh, the way I wanted to be treated. And I'll tell you, I didn't I didn't do it. Uh, expecting anything in return. Yeah, I might get the better room on the road if I take care of the traveling secretary. But to this day, I can call a lot of people and ask for uh, information, whatever it may be. And they're there for me. And, and, and I think, and I try to teach my kids that 
treat people the way you want to be treated, not with expecting anything in return. I don't think that's the way gratitude works. It's, it's treating people the way you want to be treated, expecting nothing in return. Sometimes it, it does return to you and sometimes it doesn't, but uh, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting concept. Uh, give the people, the people listen to the Boom Podcast right now. It's the holiday seasons. It's emotional for a lot of people. How do they keep life in perspective, especially this time of year? Because a lot of people don't like this time of year. It brings up emotions, sad. They just want to get, you hear a lot of people, I just want to get through the holidays. It's worse. I love the holidays. But little little piece of advice for, for those out there that may be suffering or just wanting to get through. How to put it in perspective. Well, I think there's two things. And it's one, gratitude. Wake in the holidays and look for what we do want what we do want from our lives what we want from our own immediate family our relatives friends our associates if we take the time to look and find the light the love and the lessons in them knowing that we are all human and we get what we look for the biggest change in my marriage was i used to look for what i didn't want in my life and all i did was made this shift of i'm so blessed my you know B word became became the queen bee in my life. And I just started seeing what I was looking for. And I think people do that during the holidays. They're looking for what's missing, what they don't have, what other people want for them. And they get more of what don't have what's missing and what other people want uh, for them. And through gratitude, through a perspective of finding light, love, and lessons and everything you want, It'll change the holidays for you. And then I think even as a bigger message, especially this uh, year for me, uh, is the idea of forgiveness. Um, it, it's amazing what's going around in the world. And you think about the atrocities of people dying, whether it's babies dying, grandparents dying, or everybody in between. Uh, every time someone is killed or murdered or harmed, it creates a new generation of hate. And there's going to be only one solution to this problem. And it's not some great diplomat or politician. It's going to be a simple forgiveness. We're going to have to learn to forgive one another and move forward with kindness uh, and generosity and gratitude in our heart. And so during the holidays, if you feel separate, inferior, superior, anxious, frustrated, angry, depressed, whatever it may be, take a deep breath for what you want in those peoples and in that circumstance. Also forgive yourself and forgive others for being human and making mistakes. And I promise everything will be a little bit better and a little bit brighter. And if you're completely lost, my best piece of advice, go do something for somebody else. If you're sitting there and you don't know what to do, you're angry, just let, just go help someone across the street. Go volunteer at the homeless shelter. Do something to help someone else. It is impossible to be of service and of value and to be depressed. It is God's gift to us. It's biomical, anatomical. The minute you give to someone else, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins are released in your system. You will feel it. That's right. Getting out of self. Um your goal is to provide happiness to a million people. Over a billion. Don't limit me. Over a billion. I was going to say, how do you get to a million one? All right. Who's who's your David Meltzer? Uh, God. Um, for, for me, like my whole paradigm is, I don't care what religion, philosophy, theory, or spirituality you believe in. 
I have simplified it. I call it a best option faith, Brett. I believe in something bigger than me that loves me more than my mom. Uh, something that's so big, it's omniscient. It knows everything. It's all powerful and it protects and promotes me. But I understand that human beings aren't capable of understanding or knowing outcomes. So when things happen in my life that I didn't plan, when things happen in my life that seem to be punishing in some way, when things happen in my life that other people would determine to be a mistake, setback, and a failure, I use my faith to say, what am I doing to interfere with the all-knowing? And so instead of this idea that I need to change more, 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 instead it's I am, what am I doing to interfere with it? And when I shift that paradigm in my life, that there's more than enough of everything for everyone, I'm just interfering with it. I can then identify the fear, understand how I react, those clues and the patterns that I've created and make better choices, better behavior, which does create with faith better progress. And within the context of understanding that, I'm trying to empower a thousand people like you that I know will empower a thousand to empower a thousand. The way that I get to over a billion people is by empowering a thousand people that I know have a community like you do that will empower that community with these great thoughts and ideas and relationships to empower another thousand, a thousand times a thousands, a million, a million times a thousands, a billion. It's not in arrogance, but in humility that I believe that with one simple person, we can change the world if they're empowering uh, other people as well. So I use applied mathematics and faith in order to create abundance and hopefully change the world for the better. No, this is cool. And just getting you to come on the show today, you know, we cover so many things. We're hustling and bustling, bustling through life. But I, I never get to cover this topic on the Boone podcast. I think it's great. It's a great, great way to live your life with with just basic principles. And and that's not me sitting here preaching to the this is how you live life. But but just <laughs> right. hearing some of the some of the points you made, I, I think they're important. It, it's definitely I've attributed them attributed a few of those those little changes in my life to to true happiness and and i haven't i've been a pretty happy-go-lucky guy my entire life but i've had some dark periods too and, and applying some of these principles have really made a big difference in how i go about my life and and uh how i father the the friend i am the husband i am i attribute a lot to this and it is it is from a humble place it's not from a look at me place it's a it's a no this stuff really works and sometimes we get caught up in life and and what's important and what's not important and and i think this is a great message for a lot of people out there listening so i really appreciate coming on david taking the time today and for those uh oh by the way where can people uh Get a hold of David Meltzer. Where do they need to go? It's your floor. Uh, platforms you. and and uh, <laughs> right. I, yeah. I have two easy ways. And one, I want to offer your entire community book. So I will sign my book. I'll pay for shipping. Pay for the book. Anyone that emails me directly, David at dmeltzer.com. I answer all my own emails. Uh, so David at dmeltzer.com. I'd love to share my book uh, with you. Connected to goodness. It'll change your life. Uh, and then if you forget the email, just Google me. I'm blessed. You know, I'm on every platform. You'll find that Dr. J video or some video about you buying cars or standing in front of cars you don't need. Who knows what you'll find, but go down the David Meltzer rabbit hole by 
Googling my name, David Meltzer, I'm on a platform, David Meltzer. And Brett, I'd love to have you back on my podcast. Uh, you fit in perfectly in the playbook uh, with Norman and all the Reach TV and Apple TV stuff. So I would love to amplify and elevate this platform for you. So please reach out. We got a lot of great things that need great people, great leaders like you. And it's really nice to know that some of my heroes like you on the field are carrying that forward off the field as well. So thank you so much for having me. Well, David, I appreciate it, man. And yes, I'd love I'd love to come on your podcast. We'll we'll get together behind the scenes and, and we'll make that happen in the future. Uh, once again, thanks for coming on. For those out there, uh, we're starting to put this on YouTube a little bit. So if you want to watch, go ahead and check it out. For those of you listening to the Boom Podcast, I appreciate you tuning in. And until next time, have a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. We'll see you.